Hello and welcome to another episode of the Porto Podcast in English. We've got a great episode for you all. I'm Rui dos Santos and as always, I'm here with Jason Regu. Jason, how's it going, man? It's going well, man. Um, it was a spicy one this weekend and uh, Porto came out on top. I think Sergio's adjustments uh, were perfect and uh, well executed by the guys on the field and the guys that got the opportunity. It was, uh, it was a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, another nail-biter all the way up until the end. We ended up getting a goal in the dire minutes of the game. It was a Hollywood ending to a bizarre game uh, against Casapia, and I just feel like every single game, it's just coming down to the wire. It's always nerve-wracking. We just can't win comfortably anymore. It's just there has to be this tension, this excitement every single week. We just cannot have anything comforting at all. But you know what? A win is a win. Our hopes for the title, very, very, very slim, but they are alive. And then most importantly, we're getting so much closer to the Champions League spot um, to directly qualify. So, Jason, uh, you know, <laughs> as you mentioned, it was a spicy game. Uh, goals from Eva Nielsen, own goal. Casapia goes up right before halftime, one nothing, And then Porto turned things around in the second half. Goals from Teremi in the 56th minute. And Danny Loder uh, in the 93rd minute to put the icing on the cake. So what say you about this game, Jason? Um, I mean, I thought Casapia played us really well. Um, what they do is like to stay compact and frustrate teams. And I thought they did a good job of doing that to Porto. Um, they kept us quiet. They got us aggravated. And essentially, they they were on top. And their game plan was working until it didn't. But uh, it was unfortunate for even Nilsson to score that own goal. But at the same time, Casapia missed a, a sitter right before that chance. So it was almost like a fear goal for him, to be honest. Unfortunately, even Nelson was on the end of that. The poor guy can't catch a break this season. Doesn't look <laughs> like himself. But um, overall, I thought thought the second half adjustments were beautiful and I thought they were execute, executed very well <clears throat> by guys that uh, haven't been called upon too much this season. They've only been thrown in there for like consolation minutes. Where in this game, they actually had an impact and they had the opportunity to have an impact. So it was actually a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, absolutely. Substitutions were super key, even though the majority of them came later on. But the one that really stood out the most, and we talked about this before the podcast, and we were texting each other during the game, Gabriel Veron really set the tone. And I have to go back to what we've been talking about all year long. If we want to win the league or if we just want to qualify comfortably for the Champions League, it's a long season. We have to have depth and we need to have these young players to, to rise to the occasion and perform. And Gabriel Verón came off the bench and in the first minute of being on the pitch, he gets an assist and he really just set the tone up top. Uh, what would you think of his performance all um, th during this game? I thought so. In the, in the moment, right, I was, I was actually a little frustrated with him. Uh, he there was a volley in that match where I was like, dude, why don't you just take an extra touch? But honestly, at this sitting back at it and looking at it, it's just he was just trying to make something happen. Like we were just desperate at that point and we need we know we needed to win the game. He was getting after it and he was just willing to take a risk. And honestly, that that's essentially how his gameplay went. He was willing to do anything it took for the team to win. And that sums it up best. I, I like if we can get more performances like him being hungry like that out of him. He's going to be a good player for us. It's we just there's too many games where we just had guys just existing, and in that game he didn't just exist. Right. Yeah, and uh, you know 
this was a performance that we've been sort of waiting from him. He really set the tone early on. Frustrating, as as you mentioned, in certain parts of the game, but he really opened things up. We really got to see his his quality, and it finally showed up in a time that we really needed him. And he's he's having his his Danny Loader moment from probably January or February when we started seeing him to blossom. I hope this is the time where where he really starts to blossom and. With the three games left in the season, including the Taça de Portugal, I hope we can see more of it and see him, see him do what um, what 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 he was doing this week. But we want to see what he is absolutely capable of because we got him with a lot of hopes for the future to be a star player, to be a star player in this league, and to win a trophy. So it was great to see that his potential was brought out in this game. And you know, Danny Loder once again, I can't. I can't wrap my head around why Sergio is picking on this guy so much and giving him such a hard time. I'm, I, he just seems to, even the few moments that he steps on the pitch, he's either scoring goals or just making his presence felt. And it's just a shame that he doesn't start. It's, he doesn't it's get definitely sad. No, it is. And even when they're subbed on, sometimes I feel like they're just not given enough time to do anything. That's that's another frustration I have. Like it's okay, like you're trying to prep the kid for next season, but you need to give the like the guys a chance to actually have an impact on the game itself. Right. And sometimes I feel like these substitutions are just coming too late in the game. Like, yeah, a moment of brilliance will occasionally happen, but the odds are like you just the guy doesn't have enough time. Yeah, and I I, I just get frustrated that, that it's even Nielsen that is constantly being forced back into the starting lineup after not after clearly not being fully recovered. And then he's brought in when he's out of form. I feel bad for the guy because he's he just can't, yeah. as you mentioned, he can't catch a break. He's been unlucky he's... this year. He's been injured all season long. So it's not easy for him. And the momentum, uh, the confidence isn't on his side. It's hard to build when you're struggling for so many months. I still believe in him. I think he's a great player. And I think when he's at the top of his game, he can be a top, top player in this league. But you kind of got to just put him to the side for right now and just let him find his groove and give these players that have been in their groove. You know, uh, Danny Loder, as of lately, the last few months, he's been good for the very few minutes. And also Tony Martinez, I don't know what it is. Ever since he restructured his contract about a month ago, he's almost scoring or assisting in every single game. You know, you have these players that are stepping up, uh, coming off the bench and the striker that is alongside Taremi really hasn't been there uh, as of lately. Agreed. Agreed. And uh, it's almost like he's, well, it's, well, whether it's politics or playing favorites, but that's what I feel like he does with even Nelson. I'm like, we could clearly see the guy's not himself. Right. And we're still giving him the starts. Like he's just not producing. I just don't, I don't understand what the, like the thought process behind that. Like there's so many players we don't give that many chances to. And I don't know if it's because we're trying to sell them or what it is, but. It's just he's not working. I don't know why we're forcing it. Yeah, it's, it's some, actually frustrating. It's something with the young players, man. David Carmo, I don't even remember what caused everything for him to not play and get back into the starting rotation. But clearly he wasn't given too many opportunities. And it's even Nielsen's been given a lot. And then players like Danny Loder, not so much. And it just doesn't make sense. But, you know, we are where we are and we've won as much as we have throughout Sergio's tenure because of the process and the decisions that he makes. So uh, if he is going to be our coach next year, which I do think is going to happen, 
you know, I guess let's just, uh, in Sergio, we trust, we just trust the process. But aside from all that, I'm super, super stoked to see what Danny Loder and Gabriel Veron are going to bring next year. Mm-hmm. I, I really am going to love that duo. What do you think? I think they have a lot of potential. Um, we've obviously not seen their full potential. They're young, they're growing, but, um, from what the little bits and the sample size we've got from them, um, I'm excited for them. Yeah. I think they're, they're true Porto players. I think they deserve to wear the Jersey <clears throat> and I think they'll continue to, to prove to us that they can. Yeah. Cause I think right now, uh, looking back at the season, <clears throat> you see too many guys where you just, you look at them, you're just like, this guy just doesn't belong in a Porto Jersey. Like the, well, it's, whether it's the quality, whether it's the fight, it's just like, it's just like, meh. Like you discuss the player and it's like, okay, like, yeah, they're okay. But do they deserve to be on a champion Porto side? No. Yeah. That's, that's how I look at this side at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah. It's sad to say, but it's, we're, we're sub, we're subpar compared to past Porto champion teams. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of, uh, I'm not going to say we're a bad team. We're just compared to the Porto standards. We're, we're not a very good team. No. And, Given the, all the problems and the inconsistencies, and it seems like we're toiling around the same mountain, like always talking about the same problems, the same problems. Um, Namasu's not playing. Uh, we have no creative midfielder. Where's David Garmut? It's always the same stuff. But with all that going on, I am kind of impressed with how well, I don't want to say well, with all the results and the trophies that we have achieved this year. And we still have one more that we could possibly win. Um, which is the Taça of the, the Portugal, which would be great. So if we solidify second place and have all these other trophies around us, it's not a bad season for a year that we don't win the league. So, But I'm super stoked for next season. A lot of young players, and we're going to have fresh fresh faces. I'm pretty sure that Uribe is gone. Taremi is going to be gone. And those were two essential players that have been around for a while, and possibly Diogo Costa as well. That'll I'll be sad. Very <laughs> that sad will that be day. really, <laughs> really <comes>. sad. <laughs> I love that. Kid. But actually, before we move on um, to the Twitter questions, um, Jason, so after the game, oh, not after the game, after we scored the game-winning goal, Sergio Conceição goes ahead and taunts the Casapia's bench, in particular the assistant coach, Vasco mm-hmm. Matus. I don't know who the hell this guy is. I don't know who he thinks he is. <laughs> and he tells him, you came with so much energy that you ended up screwing yourself. You ended up using an expletive instead of the word screwing. Um, <laughs> apparently, or allegedly, he ha- had been provoking the entire Porto bench. And it's kind of obvious because after the second goal, even the players were taunting the bench right back at him, kind of just yep. throwing it back in his face. Uh, what do you make of all this? I, a lot of people, a lot of fans from the opposing uh, side our rivals are making a big stink about Sergio's attitude and whatnot. I love it. But I love. What it. do you say about this? Love it. I mean, listen. Like I say time and time again, Sergio Conceição will literally die for Porto. Like this is not. It's not just any old game. It's it's war. That's what that's what Porto is for him. When he when he goes into the match, our squad's going to war, and he's leading the cavalry to war, and uh, it shows through his emotion, through his passion, and uh, listen. I, I'll take that coaching day of the week. Like when he leaves, that's going to be a void we cannot fill. Like, there's not going to be another coach that's going to fulfill that passion. Yeah. Now, well said. I, I love it. Well said. And let me ask you something. Do you think Jose Mourinho would have handled this any other way? 
No, it would have been the same reaction. <laughs> exactly. And Man, who does everyone love this? now? Even, yeah. even the Benfica yeah, fans, yeah. even the Spartan yeah. fans, who do yeah. they love now as a manager? Yeah. You know? I mean, come on. You can't just like one and then not the other. And coaches like him, Antonio Conte, Jose Mourinho, uh, even uh, Gennaro Gattuso when he was at Milan, those guys will die, as you mentioned, die for for the club that they love. It's war. It's war. It's and not they will always the defend their guys. players. And like, can you say the same thing about Roger Schmidt? Can you say the same thing about Ruben Amorim with Spartan? It's just different, you know. I and who knows? Maybe Sergio wouldn't be acting the same way if he was coaching another team. Maybe Lazio he would act the same exact way, but other teams maybe not. I think it's just different. And it's I don't know. I can't really put the words together. It's I think a lot of it has to do with being part of Porto for so long and just embracing that culture and Porto as a city the the club itself the fans they are just completely different it's not for everyone and I think that's what makes us a little bit more unique compared to other clubs but anyway Jason let's move Except on for <laughs> the opposition he is classless wait what was I find it? that hysterical wait what was that the opposition calls him classless. Any any fan of the opposing teams that we shall not mention, he's a classless <laughs> coach, which I disagree with. He's listen, we're humans. Emotion gets the best of us, and I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah, actually, uh, that's a good point that you made because he ended up talking after the game, saying that nothing happened between him and the actual manager of Kazabia, mm-hmm. Philippe Martins. And he was yep. saying that both both teams, it was a game that was extremely emotional. Both teams were 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 giving it it, it their all, and sometimes the emotions come out, and it happens in football. And he said it had nothing to do with the with the opposing team's manager. It was just one person, which was the assistant, and a few others on the bench. Nothing crazy. So if they were provoking him the entire game, well, you know, then. <laughs> You got to, I don't know, put your money where your mouth is. You know, you, you, hey, your team you can't it. take the heat, stay out of the kitchen. Exactly. Exactly. Next, uh, let's move that. on to the uh, the best part of the show, the Twitter questions. We've got quite a few of them. CD Barros at CD Barros 8. Two points. Manchester United apparently trying to extend uh, De, Gea, De Gea's contract or sign Cobell. Where does that leave Diego Costa? Secondly, would you love to hear your thoughts on Benfica fans and their high horse? When Sergio gets a little crazy, I find it funny. They can't see the hypocrisy. The hypocrisy. Louis Zell and Zizouz. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I, that's amazing how that was the first question. But um, to answer the first part, I, I, I have no idea. I don't know any other club, any big club that needs a goalkeeper or that would want to pay 75 million or 70 million or 65 million for him. Um, if Manchester United, uh, Manchester United, <laughs> I thought would be a club that would go after him because they have the money. They need a goalkeeper because De Gea is getting older. So and why not? Not to mention he's the most expensive player on their salary. So like, yep. when are you going to cut that loss? I Don't get me wrong. He's been phenomenal for him. I know he had a quite the blunder the other day, but overall he's been been a strong piece of their their team and their victories yeah and i i think he's one of the few players on that squad that should be wearing that manchester united jersey yeah 
He lo- he definitely loves the and club. he loves the club absolutely. And he yeah. could have left so many times during the whole Vanta yeah. era and whatnot, and he never did. He always wanted to stay. Yep. Um, I can't really think of anyone else. Maybe Tottenham with Lloris going. Um, can't think of really anyone else that would spend the money and need a goalkeeper at the same time. When you start thinking about all the big clubs in Europe, they're pretty much all set or they don't want to pay. So I don't know. I, I I think it was the episode where I did it solo. I think I made a prediction about Hugo Costa staying for one more season. What do you think about that? I would love it personally. And honestly, it might happen because, listen, Porto, their Champions League run was mediocre, right? So, like, he was phenomenal throughout it, but it ended kind of just, like, it wasn't wasn't anything tremendous. So, maybe he didn't get enough eyes. And then, on top of that, there's a good chance we do not win the league. So, maybe that just keeps enough eyes off of him. So, maybe we will keep him for one more season. Yeah. Not going to say we are. I'm just saying the chances are higher because of those factors. Yeah. And I think Porto's finances, too, are playing a yep. role in this as well. They are much yep. better than they were. 18 months ago when we sold you um, Luis Diaz in January because we needed the money because we weren't able yeah. to uh, stay in the Champions League. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. But yeah, uh, what are your um, what are your thoughts on Benfica's fans and their high horse when Sergio gets a little crazy? It's hypocrisy. It's, it's that simple. I mean, our fans are hypocrites too. It's just we need to be, be aware of when we're being hypocrites. That's all it is. Yeah. And it, I, I don't, I don't tolerate hypocrisy. Like at the end of the day, this, there's no need for it. Um, that's why I always try to worry about my team before I worry about other teams. Yeah. And not, uh, I don't get mixed up in the drama or all the, what the Portuguese journals want to talk about. Cause that's just, that's for clicks. Yeah. That's just, that's uh, for headlines. Yeah. That's for, that's to sell media dollars. Right. Like I'm good. Yeah. No. And like, when did everyone just become so soft? Like, this yeah. used to be part no, of football. Sad. This is what happens when we it's play sad. out on the street or out in the or out on the field, pick up. Yeah. This is how it is. Like even in games, whatever it is, there's always trash talking one another. You always want to get the competitive edge one way or another. You just have to you have to face the heat if it doesn't go on your side. That's it. You know, if you talk yep. too much and it doesn't work out, you gotta own it and you gotta move on. And the other opposition they have the prerogative to throw it back in your face. It is what it is. It's part of sports. It's part of competition. Why not? It's not a big deal. And you're right. Both sides or all all teams, all fan bases should be aware of their own hypocrisy too because it's not just Porto. It's not just Benfica. It's not just Casapia that does this. It's everyone that does this. So not a big deal in my opinion. I actually like it. Baba Melli at Blueberry Caves. It's been pretty clear for a while now that Porto won't renew Teremi's contract, but why hasn't Constantin reduced his playing time? I really wish he had played Teremi and Namasu more, but they never get to start together. Mm. So why, uh, why not um, reduce his playing time? I mean, at the end of the day, who's better than him that we have? Right. We're still, it's not like we're not going to try to win the league. We're still trying to. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, unless you start seeing him causing some sort of drama in the locker room, and Sergio's, he's not shy at all from pointing that out and making the player pay for having any sort of attitude or, or stepping out of line or whatever, he will bench any player. And yeah. 
Taremi works hard. He must work hard at mm-hmm. practice, even though he can be inconsistent at times. But even when he's not scoring goals, even when he's not assisting, he's, his presence is immense on the field. And he offers much more than that, especially that we don't have a pure number 10 or an attacking-minded creative midfielder. He kind of carries the burden on that too. And he's been sacrificing a lot of his goal-scoring opportunities, uh, a lot of goals and a lot of, uh, of assists to pick up the slack uh, from the midfield that we don't really have. So um, I don't, this might be his last season. He's probably aware of it and Sergio's probably aware of it, but that doesn't mean that Sergio's not going to use him. As you said, he's our most important player. He's our best play. He's our best striker. So we have to have him on the pitch if we want to win. So that's my two cents on it. And I, and I 100% agree with Baba Melli. I wish we see Taremi and Namasu play a lot more together. I think that would be great. Mm-hmm. Jack Hacken, Feyenoord enjoyer at Companator. How fucking good are Inter Milan <laughs> this season in the Champions League? <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, they've been uh, very good. <sighs> I don't even think they're that good. I really don't. They are defensively, man. <sighs> to me. Oh, man. Defensively. No, man. I think. They- uh, Galenu missing, Taremi missing two shots. Oh, yeah. Grujic like, missing. I'm not going to say they're way better than us, but... Dude, we would have been in the Champions League final. I'm not even joking you. We, Benfica, yeah, we already so know too. how that would have went. In the Champions League, yeah. it would have been even worse. Yeah. It would have been even worse for them than in, in the league. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then we would play AC Milan. And listen, AC Milan is my other team. I I love watching AC Milan. I've been watching them for, for years. They are not good. AC Milan are not a good team. They had no business going as far as they did. They have fallen off a lot, and the team is stale. It's just, when we look at that, it's just, we could have easily been in the finals had we just buried the opportunities. And pound for pound, I think we were the best team that matched uh, Inter all all Champions League long. I agree. And think- but I think that comes from Sergio's tactics, too. Yeah, but think about all the issues that we've been dealing with all season long. You know, I know, but that so it's kind of a it's it's sort of a matchup situation, right? This is the thing. Inter, Inter's not the type of team that's going to blow anybody out, right? But they're the type of team that can compete with anybody. That's the type of team they are, and that comes from good team defending, good tackling. They do a lot of the basic things right. Don't get me wrong; their goalkeeper has been great throughout the whole Champions League run, which it, it kind of takes that to make it to the finals. Like yep. you, you need a little bit of that, and on top of all that, <clears throat> they. Dude, their transition is very good. Yeah. And it's that simple. They're, don't get me wrong, that midfield is a large part of that, but it's at the same time, it's them playing team ball. Yeah. And I, I don't think they're impressive or anything, but they definitely deserve some credit. All right. All right. I'll. I'll yield here. Okay. <laughs> All right. Hey, yeah. I mean, the they, finals. They, they are good. They're in the finals. They, right? Yeah. They're in the finals. So it doesn't matter how you put it. When you get there, you're there, and you have to face the competition of the competition uh, to get there. So they're there, and they're going to play against Manchester City, and I hope they lose. And, you know, I shouldn't shit on them so much. They are a good team. Uh, They play well as a unit, and you kind of pretty much checked everything off on the list on what it takes to to win in this competition. And sometimes it's about matchups, and it doesn't matter how pretty – you win, whether you win by three goals or one goal, a win is a win, and that's all that it matters in the end. 
Mats at Mats Attack Nine. What is Dan Lee Loader's destiny for next season? Could he be a starter? Also, is Eva Nielsen doing enough to continue starting since coming back from his second injury? Is it only two injuries that he had this season? It's like I feel like it's they were long spells though. It's like constant one. One shows up after the other. But um yeah. I don't know. What do you think? What's his destiny for next season? Danny Loader. I mean, from the looks of it, it looks like Porto is doing everything they can to prep him as our starter. I think we're we're building his confidence. I think he's been included in some important matches. He's been exposed to 90-minute games in the Cups, as you would as you're prepping someone. And I don't know. I guess you call me delusional, but he's got to be the, a part of the starting 11 next season. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. And I think he's going to do... I wonder what kind of role as an attacker he's going to be, if he's going to be a pure number nine or a false nine or whatever it may be. But uh, I'm I'm pretty excited to see how he's going to play out next year because I'm loving what I've been seeing this season. He's really stepped it up in the year of 2023, and I'm really, really impressed. So I'm excited to see that. And as for Eva Nielsen, I think he's doing everything possible just to be healthy. Uh, I don't know if he's being forced onto the pitch or he's just not mentally there and he's just losing confidence. Um, and he's been unlucky. So I, I, I'm, I'm assuming he's doing everything, but I do think that since his injuries and his inconsistencies on top of the injuries have really been slowing him down and not being as productive. So um, I think he just needs time. And I think maybe some time off in the, uh, in the off season and, just kind of step away from the game and just recover physically and mentally for next season. And let's see what he's all about because him on his day is a great player. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think we we've seen what he's capable of when he's, I guess when he's fit, when he's in the right mental state, but the problem is he hasn't been. So it's like, how long can we wait for that? That's that's the problem, right? We, we're Porto. We really can't afford to just keep waiting for that. So we're going to have to make a decision eventually whether we're going to cut our losses or we're just going to straggle them along because an injury-plagued person, that's going to impede their, their potential and their growth. So I, I think, I don't know, Porto is probably having some serious chats and this is why they're forcing him back to see if he can be anything, but... I don't know. Like he definitely does not deserve to be starting as much as he is. I would have exposed him to thirty minutes at a time, and it's just every time he's on the pitch, he's not performing. And even on that own goal, you're you're looking at it like, what was that? It was, that was a WTF moment. You're yeah. like, you're a professional soccer player. How did that even happen? Yeah, and you can even tell from the reaction on his face too. He's just like, like what the hell, man? I can't catch a break, and just like nothing yep. is going. Right for him, and you know it, it's an interesting point because that that you're making. I just wonder if we are going to cut our losses with him for next season because out of nowhere, I always thought, and I think you may have mentioned in the past on uh, on past episodes, and other people on Twitter were saying the same thing too that that he's most likely going to be sold because we have all these strikers coming in. We have Fran Navarro, we have Danny Namasu, but now that Tony Martinez restructured it almost makes you think that he's going to be the the third guy that to come off the bench we kind of understand that mm-hmm. Taremi's not going to be here so if that means Namasu is going to be the starter and Fran Navarro is going to be the starter and Tony Martinez is going to be the third does it really make sense to have four of these 
these attackers on the bench uh, or, or uh, on the roster. You know, it's I, I, yeah. I, it's just hard to question. see that. It's oh, hard to really see that question. in terms of finances, the budget, the whole thing. It's, this doesn't make, it's not adding up. Yeah. You know? It's it's like it almost it's like it's becoming an easier decision for the club. Yeah, I wonder because it's a shame because I really like Eben Nielsen. I loved what he offered last year. It's just mm. he just really got unlucky this year and yeah, a lot of no, it's he was not on really fire his, last year. Yeah, he was great. He was great. Maybe he's a streaky player. We don't know. We the problem is the sample size is too low to even know. And it's listen, if you can't stay healthy, like your greatest ability is availability and listen, we're, they're paying you at the end of the day, you need to be able to perform. Right. One hundred percent. ACM eighty seven at FCP eighty seven. Going into next season, who do you guys think will be our stri- starting strikers, and who will not be returning? Also, great work with the podcast. Thank you so much, ACM eighty seven. <laughs> kind of just answer that question a little bit, but we'll um, we'll make sure to get you an answer as well. Uh, starting strikers. Who 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 are you going to be our starting strikers for next season? Mm, strikers i would say we we do have the kid coming over from what is it jovi center yep. no yeah Fran Navarro. Yep. yep so i have a funny feeling him and namasu have a high likelihood of starting not going to say they are the guaranteed starters but i think that's what their intentions are with the way everything's going yeah i i agree and i think it's going to be either Tony or even Nielsen coming off the bench. It's just, I don't know. It's just hard to see a player like Eben Nielsen being on the bench. I can definitely see Tony being the guy on the bench. We just restructured him and he loves the club. He does well on, um, at his role. So it just kind of makes sense that way. Yeah. I'm going to have to, I'm going to agree with you. Namasu and Fran Navarro. Will be the guys, and the guys that won't be returning next year will be Eva Nielsen and Taremi, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I have the same exact train of thought as you. Next question comes from our friend Manuel Pinto at Eruidu Terra. Could we lend Manafa to Sporting so they can win against Benfica? <laughs> <laughs> Based on the performance uh... of this season, what is your best? Starting eleven, uh, yeah, why not? Let's lend him out to Sparkling right. for a day, and he's <laughs> gonna have a couple of assists. And... I think it's against the rules, but it's all right. <laughs> why not? I mean, it's just Manafa, you know, Mana God. <laughs> but uh, I wishful thinking. Yeah, I wish uh, we could have the we could send him over there and use his uh, voodoo super power magic or whatever that's been going on with him with just wins since he was been a starter um from just a month ago but that would be great to see that happen um but based on the performance of this season what is the best starting 11 i would say if we were to really just go after it and get goals and play against a top top side i would Probably go with Wendell, Pep, Marcano, and have Pepe as the right back. Yeah. And then have Galenu. So it would be a 4-4-2. I'll have Galenu on the left mid, Uribe, Eustachio, and then Otavio on the right. And then I'll have Teremi and Namasu up top with obviously Diogo Costa in goal. 
I think uh, yeah. if we really wanted to go for it, because I really liked Pepe in the beginning of the season at right back. Yeah. And I've been kind of liking him in the last two games playing at right back as well. Yeah, I, I rate I rate Pepe. Um, even on his off days, he still has a lot to offer. Yep. So, and I think my starting eleven. Uh, the problem is the Matsu sample size is too low, but like based on what we've seen, I would select them. Um, uh, this is tough. Did you go with Honestly, Juan Mario up top. Yeah, I would put Juan Mario and put Pepe behind Tademi. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, that's... sometimes him and Octavio get a great rotation going, and when that when that rotation's on, like teams have a tough time of keeping up with what's going on. Yeah, no, th- th- I mean that's that's great too. I, I would definitely go with that approach. That would be super attacking minded. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, pretty similar. It's not really much that you can really change. Maybe you can throw Zaidu instead of Wendell. But uh, not really much else that you can change among those players. So we're kind of limited. Yeah, we just like yeah, it's been the same people over and over, and the other guys that we haven't seen too much of. Like the sample size hasn't been huge, right? And then when you have guys like Tony Martinez and Grujic that can fill you know utility roles, which is great, yeah. you know, to come off the bench, whether you need to preserve a lead or get a goal, those two are always a pretty solid option. So. Really, uh, really great question, Manuel. Thank you for that. And next question comes uh, comes from Graham underscore Zhao at Graham underscore Zhao. How to conclude Porto's performance this season? Though Porto failed to claim the title, I still believe, generally speaking, Porto does well this year, and I am confident to Porto next season. Uh, Yeah, if I had to give a, a letter grade for this season... Right now, I would say it's a B plus given everything, mm. and I would say yeah. it could be an A minus if we win the Taça de Portugal and secure Champions League. Yeah, I'll give a. I'm gonna give a B to a B plus. We've we've won a few tosses and we've came up short on everything else. So it's not like, not like we were out of a contention for anything realistically, but at the same time, it's not the most successful season. So I can't can't uh, transfer over to an A. Yeah, no, I agree. I think winning winning the Super Taça, Taça de Liga, and potentially the Taça de Portugal and not win the league, I think for a year to not win the league, that's not a bad season. And qualifying for Champions League. I'll always, could always be, happy be worse. With that. Could always it could be a lot worse than that. Exactly. We've seen worse seasons ourselves. So right. Absolutely. Last question comes from Ter Go at Real Alessandro. What changes, decisions, or buys would you guys make for the next season in general? Changes to what? Anything. Transfers. Changes or buys? Uh, Transfers. It's back to the the same thing we we spoke about at the beginning of this season. We need to focus on this midfield. Yep. And we need outside backs. Because apparently we have forwards now, but I think we'll see. But I think it's going to be <laughs> midfield and outside backs that we need to really focus on. And if Carmo's not your guy, we need to another center back. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen back there. We need a lot. It's We're going to be offloading some guys, and some guys are getting close to retirement. So we need to – they've got to stay focused this offseason. And they really – there's going to be a lot of changes. 
Yeah. And um, I think the we, midfield is a crucial one, though. Yeah, I think so, too. And I, I think I think the center back for next year is going to be just as crucial as well, because we can't we can't expect Ivan Marcano to have this season again at 37 or 38 nah. years old. You know, it's just I'm surprised. I'm surprised that he went as well as it did. Just like I didn't like the guy to begin with. Yeah, we we were irking for this guy to get off the field after the first two or three games, but he actually yeah. turned out to be all right, and he scored quite a few goals this year. But are we really going to expect the same? And then Pep, who we know will probably be pretty good next year, but is he going to give you 20 games again? 19, 20 yeah, I games? I don't even know what their intention is with Pep, even, right? Yeah, even that alone, just like you're only getting 20 games out of him this year, 21 maybe. You know, that's that's not enough. So you have to find other players to to fit in the role. Is Fabio, Fabio Cardoso going to be the guy? Is David mm-hmm. Carmo finally going to step up? You need to. We need to go out and find someone in the Portuguese league that is capable of just fitting the role. They have yeah, to. I agree. They have to. And then definitely one hundred percent on the the center midfielder. We need. We need another creative midfielder to kind of just set the tone, take the workload off of our strikers or our other wingers. Um, and Taremi's not going to be there next year, most likely. So if he's not going to be there. We're not going to have this guy that's going to drop deep and win aerial duels and and you know set up uh, attack on the attack. So uh, we got quite a bit to to fill. We have a lot of attackers, a lot of wingers, a lot of strikers, uh, but we definitely need, most importantly, a center back, a center midfielder, and I would like to see another left back as well. So that does it for this episode, Jason. Any last words before I wrap things up? I think I've said all that I have to say. I hope Porto keeps fighting till the end, and let's hope for a sporting victory, and let's make this league come down to the last day and a Porto victory. Yeah. So let's keep it. Uh, let's keep. <laughs> let's try to keep this going until the last game of the season. Let's yeah. hope Santa Clara wins this weekend <laughs> as well, so they can somewhat fight for the fight, playoff match. Fight right? for the playoff match. That's right. So they yeah. have a reason to give everything to Benfica. If they're not Please. in, you know, if they're not in survival mode on the last game of the season, it's, they got nothing. It's, they yeah. got nothing. And I'm pretty sure they would rather see Benfica win than us. So if they have something to fight for, then we have a chance. But first, we need Sporting to win. And most importantly, we need to win. So let's see what happens this weekend against Famalicão. Again, we play them for the fourth time this season. So let's see what happens there. So thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Porto Podcast in English. Follow us on Twitter at FCPortuPodENG, on Instagram, PortuPodENG. If you like the show, leave a five-star review. Hit the five stars on, on Spotify, on iTunes, or whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. We'd really appreciate it. It helps us grow, and we will see you on the next episode.